the American League Championship. I don't believe it. It just continues. My oh High fly ball into right field. She is gone. The drives one. The FSS Plus Podcast Future Star Series Program 15 with Joe Doyle and producer Casey Bell and I'm Jason Churchill. Hey, the League Championship Series are well underway. We have a lot of off-season questions to tackle, uh, including one thing that I keep thinking about, guys. What are the hell are the Padres going to do? We're going to get to that. Where he might fit in Juan Soto. Does he fit on that roster anymore? Are they going to move him? And if they move him, what could the Padres net in return, one other thing I want to discuss, the offseason goals of the Twins and the Braves. So while the Rangers and the Astros and the Phillies and the D-backs are battling it out for a World Series trip, what in the world are these teams that just got ousted going to do this winter? And I feel like there are a few clubs that are kind of in you know, purgatory, so to speak. They may be at like a proverbial crossroads in terms of the direction they may decide to go this winter. We'll dive into that as well. Before we do, Joe... Uh, one thing I want to do, are you at all odds at odds with the playoff format? Do you watch this and just go, man, I just, I don't like the five game, then a seven, or I don't like the days off. That's been a big complaint on social media these days. Yeah. The, the, the top two teams, the seeds, they had to sit out and that's why the Braves and the Dodgers lost. That's why the, are are you in that camp? Are you kind of like shrug? I don't care. Like this, like I need more evidence. No, I'm glad you brought this up. I, you are, you are. I am. I am. Yeah, I I talked about this a little bit earlier this week. I think it's outrageous that as a as an industry, we sit around and teams sit around managers, general managers, front offices, sit around all summer, six months, 162 games, 174 calendar days or whatever it is. We talk about how important it is to get the number one seed, to get that buy, to automatically get to the division series. And then when you're the team that gets that buy and you get booted because you play like shit, pardon my French suddenly we need to change the format. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we watched this all year. We all pointed to the roster deficiencies of the Baltimore Orioles. We all pointed to the lack of starting pitching from the Los Angeles Dodgers. These teams won a lot of games, but they were by no means like impervious or, or unflawed. So I actually think the teams that are in right now, with maybe the exception of the Diamondbacks, I think they more, more so just got hot. I think the three of the four teams that are in the championship series right now are the best rosters equipped for the, for these actual games to get this far. So I have no issue with it whatsoever. Uh, in terms of the amount of games, no issue with it whatsoever. Um, yeah, no, but, but the, the, the first round buy thing, like the, the irony and the, just the, the outrage over it by fans, I think is so dumb. Why do teams that win 102 or 104 or 101 games have this, this like luxury, this, uh, like they're entitled, like an entitlement to play in the championship series. It's so stupid to me. Yeah. It, it, one of the things that I would combat that, that argument with too is, is like the Dodgers and the Braves are really good examples. Now they're the freshest ones. Um, and, and we've talked about the, you mentioned Joe, the, uh, uh, the fact that Dodgers, they're starting pitching kind of fell apart. They just didn't really have those horses to go to at the top of the rotation. Like they had in past years, 
And even though they won 100 plus games or whatever it was, they what, what about the idea that the Braves and the Dodgers ran away with their divisions? They knew they were winning the division weeks out. They knew they were postseason teams weeks and weeks out. They really weren't challenged to the end. The Rangers, the Astros challenged to the end. The Twins, not so much, but they didn't, they didn't, you know, they didn't clinch a berth, you know, three weeks or a month out, right? Like maybe that also had something to do. I think there are a lot of factors here. And and to be honest with you, I don't really know what you can do about it. I don't really, even if you wanted to change it and, and, and stop this, what do they generally get five days off? You play Sunday and then you may not play till Friday or Saturday. I'm not sure what can be done about it. I mean, in 20, I think it was 2020. It has to have been 2020. They gave teams the ability to select who they wanted or, or like you could do reseeding or mm-hmm. you could have the top teams select which opponent they want to play. I think that's all incredibly cliche. This, I mean, baseball is a marathon it's it's one of the pieces of it that makes it romantic it's the last man standing it's survivor in a lot of ways if you can't show up if you're if you're the best team on paper if you can't show up for five games and and prove that you're the best team then you don't deserve to move on and and honestly what's the point i take it back to the 90s and baseball and early 2000s Baseball is more fun today because of parity. Baseball is more fun because the Arizona Diamondbacks are in the NLCS. Nobody really loved and enjoyed when it was chalked that the Yankees were going to be in the ALCS or, mm-hmm. you know, name your team. If that was the case, it would just be a payroll-driven league, which it really hasn't been for the better part of a decade. So I like the parity. I think, you know, does it make games in September a little less important for teams that have won a hundred games sure um but it's a marathon you got to show up i think the one thing that that i have a a little bit of a gripe about and and i think they can do something about this but it's going to take some doing and that's not having games for two days in a row at all once the postseason comes and you have like i believe on friday the 13th and saturday the 14th there were no games and that was because the the previous series were swept and i just wonder if down the road the league can't try some sort of flex scheduling. Like if you dispose of your opponent in short fashion, that should be to your advantage, not your disadvantage. And I think generally clubs would think anything more than two, maybe three days off can be a disadvantage. And and I think as long as there's a travel day allowed, the game should not see more than a day without games. Like you could, you could eliminate that second day without any games at all by having more, you know, flexible schedules. I think venue availability is generally seen as the issue here, but that wouldn't have been the case this year. And I didn't look to last year, but this year that would not have been an issue. They could have just simply started the series, the next series a little bit sooner than they had scheduled. And I know they sell tickets and all that stuff, but we know that they can handle this because we don't know going into a seven game series there's going to be a game five. And yet, as soon as we know there's going to be a game five, they put those, those tickets on sale or they go ahead and sell those tickets and then give refunds when they don't happen. We know they can do this. That's the only gripe that I have. Uh, with, I suppose uh, my question would be, what's the goal though? Like is the goal to, to eliminate, to eliminate big gaps. I, I think because it's baseball. That's Joe, fair. Yeah. I, I thought you, you were know? saying like, how do we, how do we, how do we make it easier on the team that won more games? How do we make it more comfortable for the team that won more games? Yeah, I don't know that there's more... anything you can do about that. I don't think there's anything you should do about that. Yeah, I, I I would think that teams just start to plan better for that in terms of, 
hey, if we're going to be off for five days because we're not playing in the wild card series, we need to play full bore through that last Sunday of the season, which is better for baseball, that they're playing hard, they're trying to win, they're getting guys their innings because they're not going to play for five days. Yeah, I, I mean, don't think it really points to, it points to going out and acquiring starting pitching uh, at the trade deadline. I mean, even if it's just to eat innings in September, mm. I think there's a lot of value in that. We can talk about whether or not you know, giving up a truckload of players and and financial commitments to Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander was was a good idea down the road, mm-hmm. but you got to have the horses, and and that's one thing the Dodgers just didn't do. And uh, you know, Lance Lynn, great, you know, it's worth a shot. He ate, he ate up some innings, but the fact that they were forced to pitch him in in Game <laughs> Three, I mean, yeah. uh, they just never had the they never had the horses. Anyways, I'm going off on a tangent. Um, yeah, I. I as a whole, I don't have too many issues with the playoff structure. Yeah. Yeah. There's very little wiggle room. It really seems like I just, I, I want Major League Baseball to take advantage of the limelight because they don't have it very often. And on a Friday night, especially a Friday night in October, they have an opportunity. There's not a bunch of college football games on that night. There's no NFL games that night, right? Like that is an opportunity missed because there were no games. And I just, I don't know. I don't know if there's anything they can do. Mm-hmm. I think maybe there is. I like to see them try. Anyway. All right, Juan Soto. It's one year left until he hits free agency. He's a Scott Boris client. We all know that. So the likelihood he signs an extension with anyone aren't great. They're certainly not zero, Joe. I think that's the misnomer out there is that Scott Boris clients don't sign extensions. I think they do if they meet whatever that market value is, mm-hmm. or at least what Scott Boris thinks that market, market value is, because it's happened before. Uh, Carlos Gonzalez is the first one I remember going back. Gonzalez staying with uh, Colorado way back when on an extension rather than hitting free agency. But Juan Soto, what's he going to make? Over $30 million, I think it's what, $32, $33 million projection on his yep. final year of arbitration. You look at that San Diego Padres uh, roster, and if you look at it from a pure statistical standpoint, the, the pitching was pretty good. The bullpen was terrible. The starting rotation was pretty good. The offense was okay. With Juan Soto having a good year. The question is, it's layered, I think. Do you keep Juan Soto? If you keep Juan Soto, what does that do to the rest of your roster? What does that do to the flexibility? We don't really know because we don't know what the payroll limits are in San Diego. So the the biggest thing for me is if they're going to put Juan Soto on the market, who goes after him? Who should go after him? What can San Diego get in return? Because if you're San Diego, you're trying to get better. And while shedding that $33 million, that projected $33 million will have an impact on what you can do this winter and moving forward, the players you get back in return should be an enormous part of this and the biggest part of this. And there are not a lot of teams out there, Joe, that are going to be willing to take on $30-plus million for one year of Juan Soto. The one team I keep going back to, I think I've mentioned on the show before, if I'm the New York Yankees, I'm diving in head first on this. I don't know if there's another, maybe the Mets, it depends on what the Mets want to do. It's still a lot of clubs. We just don't know which direction they're going to go. Do the Yankees continue to go down the road of we're trying to be smarter with payroll or do they just go screw it? We won more when we just spent a bunch of money and went after it. But I don't know who else out there other than the Yankees. And maybe you say the Yankees don't make a lot of sense, but like who else out there makes sense? One year of Juan Soto at $33 million, who's going to give up what it's going to take to grab Juan Soto from the Padres? I'm with you. Uh, I think the Yankees are a, a prime, a prime team to go after him. Now my hesitation with the Yankees is money. I, I don't know what direction this organization is going financially. They, you know, they jump over the collective bargaining tax 
just this year. It's the first time they've done it uh, in in a few years. If I'm not mistaken, I think it's I think it's the first time they've jumped over the collective bargaining tax for the first time in a while. Uh, do they want to continue jumping up those penalty those 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 percentage penalties? I, you know, I don't know. I, they've they've really dialed back the spending, and um, I don't know if they're going to continue to do that. I've got six teams that I came up with was as we were prepping for this. I think the Cubs make a ton of sense. It's mm. not a terribly demanding left field. As long as you have a a good center fielder, and they have Pete Crow Armstrong, who's going to be out there, so I think they should be able to handle that. Uh, and they're going to lose, probably going to lose Cody Bellinger. So they have to make up that offense. Everything points to the Chicago Cubs having payroll flexibility and being in the market to win, win, win right now. Cubs make a lot of sense. The Seattle Mariners make a ton of sense. Uh, now I, I will say with the Cubs, I don't know if because they're losing a lot of talent from the big league club. I don't know if they're going to be in a huge rush to trade prospects uh, mm-hmm. to go acquire a star like that. The Mariners, on the other hand, have a volume of of, of players that they could trade for Juan Soto. Um, they have big leaguers with control they could trade for Juan Soto. And they obviously have an offensive um, need. They, they, they need left-handed hitting. They need impact. And they need guys who don't strike out. So I think Juan Soto makes a ton of sense in Seattle, more so as a DH, less so as a full-time left fielder. But Mm. I think you obviously have to consider the Mariners. I think the Blue Jays make a lot of sense. They're a team that for one year, could they spend before Vlad and Bo hit their big check years? Probably. I think that makes some sense. They've got a decent little farm system they can pull from. And my question with, Toronto is going to be who's going to play center field because you know, maybe you can get away with Dalton Varsho out there full time and, and you can put Juan Soto in left field or DH him anyways. I think the Blue Jays make a lot of sense, especially as that window draws even closer to shutting. The Yankees make a ton of sense. The two teams, though, that I have circled, the Boston Red Sox, who I don't think anybody knows what direction they're going to go in. Juan Soto could play left field comfortably at Fenway, mm-hmm. I think. Um, the issue is Heim Bloom was brought in to re-energize that farm system and win and cut payroll. Well, if you bring in Juan Soto, you're beefing up payroll, you're trading prospects, and you're kind of just going back to the Dombrowski um, sentiment. So I don't, you know, I don't know, I don't know the structure of what that front office and ownership group is going to want Boston to look like moving forward. And finally, I, I think you have to look at the Texas Rangers. Mm-hmm. They've shown a willingness to spend a lot of money. Um, they've got the prospects and they're pretty close to being big league contributors, even though there's nothing like truly like special at the top of their, at the top of their farm system. There's going to be a lot of suitors for one year of Juan Soto. And I think it's just going to come down to, and nobody talks about this enough with trades, what prospects the San Diego Padres prefer. And this is all assuming that Juan Soto is the means to an end to cut payroll in San Diego. Right. Let's let's talk about this a little bit more from the Padres point of view. Because if I'm the Padres, Joe, I don't just want a bunch of prospects. Now, maybe you can convince me if they were the right prospects with the right timetables at the right value. Maybe you can convince me that that's certainly possible. But at, at first and, and, and on the surface, right at the beginning, if I'm talking to the Yankees and the Jays and the Rangers and the Cubs and the Red Sox and teams like that about Juan Soto, I'm thinking about what big leaguer or big leaguers can I get from those teams in return for that's where I'm starting. And, and if I'm looking at 
And I don't know if they have the leverage to do that, but if I'm looking at it from that standpoint, if I'm AJ Preller, first of all, if I'm AJ Preller, please don't fire me yet, but I'm not AJ. <laughs> I'm not AJ Preller, but if I'm AJ Preller, I'm sitting there going, okay, if I'm training Juan Soto, I need to get something in return. That's going to help me right now. I don't just want a bunch of guys who I have to hope on and prospects. That's essentially what they are. They're suspects until they're proven players. We all know that at this point. And I'm not saying you can't do a prospect only package, but if I'm the pod race, I'm going to hold out for a while. I'm going to sit there and go, I'll, I'll absorb the $33 million. It's not like Juan Soto doesn't perform. It's not like it's going to cripple me. I'm only trading Juan Soto if the actual trade itself helps me win in 2024. And are there teams out there equipped for that? Because if I'm San Diego, I need Blake Snell as a free agent. I need more starting pitching. You Darvish is getting older. What's he, 36, 37 years old? And he's not always healthy. I need more starting pitching. Even if I'm bringing back Blake Snow, I need more starting pitching if I'm in San Diego. I need to clean up that bullpen, obviously. And despite the fact that I have big names in my lineup, Manny Machado, Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis, my offense was 13th best in Major League Baseball last year. It has to be better than that if I'm expecting to go to the postseason. What well, team ask or teams can help me do that the most if I'm giving them Juan Soto? I think a lot of these teams have that piece that the Padres would covet. They get a little bit more athletic. They get a little bit younger. They get cheaper, like Leody Tavares at the Rangers. Mm, Come on. He's got four or five years of control left. He can play both corners, athletic. He seems to be coming into his own. Texas has a little bit of a surprisingly a glut of outfield prospects right now. And Wyatt Langford... (laughs) He's not more than a few months away from being ready. Right. Evan um, Carter, Adolis Garcia. Yeah, those guys Wyatt aren't going Langford. anywhere. Right. Yep, yep. The Mariners have Jared Kelnick. I, I think a change of scenery for him, and he he kind of jumped into his own this year. He caught some strides, and I know that the Padres really liked Jared Kelnick coming out of the draft. I don't know if that's changed or not, but, I mean, I think that makes some sense. You look at the Cubs like like Christopher Morrell. I know that he's a bit of a folk hero over there, but he's shown flashes of really good stuff. He's a utility guy. He can move all over the place. Maybe he makes some sense. And Especially- in that instance, Joe, you'd be talking about the Cubs acquiring Soto for a player like Morrell, which means the rest yeah. of the Cubs offseason, because that's one of my my uh, you know crossroads teams as I think about this. They could cut back because they went for it this past year. They 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 bring in the Strowmans and, and the – uh, and, and Cody Bellinger, and, and they try to make a go of it. And they had a decent year. They really faded late, which was mm-hmm. predicted by Casey Bellin, by the way. He knew that was coming. He saw that was coming. <laughs> don't think I don't remember that, Casey. I remember he was like, yeah, the Cubs aren't getting in. And and that would signify, if you're going after Juan Soto, that they're just going to go, that we're just going to go in buy mode. We're still in buy mode. Even if Bellinger leaves, we're in buy mode. That would be, I don't know, not surprising necessarily, Joe, because that's exactly what they did a year ago. But I'm not sure they want to go down that road or they want to go younger. So that would obviously that would tell us, Hey, if we're going to be involved in the, the Juan Soto sweepstakes, the Cubs are buying. Are you kind of like, if you're the Cubs in this situation, are you trying to build on what you just did? Even though you could have Stroman as a free agent, he's got a player option for, I think 21 million. He could opt out and get multiple years either in Chicago or somewhere else. Cody Bellinger's yeah. a free agent as well. That would, uh, are you buying if you're in Chicago? Cause Juan Soto would suggest yes. Well, I'm speaking rationally. I'm speaking from the mind of a of an owner in Major League Baseball. Why would you be the Chicago Cubs and spend all this money the last two years on rentals and not continue to want to add, mm-hmm. especially with all of your prospects arriving right now, um, the prospects that you do have? I, I just don't see why they would 
allow themselves to take a step back. Now, you know, is Cody Bellinger going to require eight years, $200 million? I don't think that's totally out of the question. I don't either. Because, yeah, because of this market. And if, if Cody's not going to return to Chicago and he's going to go, you know, really try to get a big lunch pail, maybe Juan Soto is how you replace that production. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, also, I think there's some I think there's some teams that have players that are ready, like Chicago, who could make a good run at this. Do you buy, Joe, that the Mets are going to cool it for the next couple of years? Do you buy that at no. all? I don't buy that at all. No, yeah. of course not. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna pull some levers to get a little bit more flexible in mm-hmm. terms of how young they are and how they deploy a team out there. And and uh, David Stearns, he he was a he was a master maneuver in uh, maneuverer. Right. This that was is a good, good podcast stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> master maneuverer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> he's he's not gonna just go to New York and and spend a trillion dollars like mm-hmm. like. Um, what's his face did from the Angels? Um, so, anyways, <laughs> yeah, this, Ooh, we're calling Billy Epler. Billy Epler. Billy Epler. I was yeah. I was gonna say Bobby Epler, but I was like Bobby Epler sounds like a college basketball coach. There's Although, no way. Do, I'm thinking do, of do we lay that on Epler though? Because they didn't really fire Epler. They just hired Stearns because oh. he was a better guy. Like that was Cohen coming in and saying Cohen, we need to yeah. like do this, 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 and this. Spend, 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 spend. That's not really on Epler, right? Yeah, I, I think what you're going to see is David Stearns come in with a more consultative approach. Like, hey, this is how you build an organization. This is how you build a team that has won through the minor leagues and and kind of, you know, gels and meshes together. So I, I think they're still going to go balls to the wall with spending, but I think they're going to do it a little bit more pragmatically. So I certainly think they're in the market for, uh, for Juan Soto. And I think that they acquired some really interesting prospects at the deadline this year that could be used to acquire him. Yeah, they can't really go quiet and 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 just. I mean, you have you have Pete Alonso who's going into his walk year. He's twenty nine years old. You have Francisco Lindor, who's uh, I believe he's thirty in November on a long term deal. You have Jeff McNeil on a medium term deal. He's thirty one. He'll be thirty two in April. You have uh, money wrapped up in Starling Marte, Brandon Nimmo. You can't. You can't do that. You can't carry those players and go quiet for a few years and not try to win with those guys. I mean, it's Francisco Lindor for crying out loud. I know he's not the MVP, but he's like a top 25 player in Major League Baseball. Brandon Nimmo is a good player. You can't go quiet here in a big market like that with an owner like that. I, I don't know why that all came out at the deadline when it did, that they told Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander, or at least Max Scherzer, that they weren't going to try and win until 2025. I just... I don't know how no. that came out. I don't know why that was said. If it was said and if it wasn't said, I don't know why it was lied about, but nobody buys it. I've asked made, a lot. Of, nobody buys it. No, they, they may take their foot off the gas pedal. Like they may get the lead foot syndrome out, but there's no way Steve Cohen bought the New York Mets, you know, to a year and a half, two years later, turned it into a real estate adventure. Like, come on. Like he's <laughs> going to try to win every single year. Right. Uh, end of the day, does Juan Soto get traded or does he start the season with the San Diego Padres? I think he gets traded. I think he's the most logical person to move out of that organization. You know, they said that they're trying to get down closer to the collective bargaining tax, that luxury tax. I just think if there was an easy way to shed all of that weight, it would just be moving that one player. And, uh, you know, it also opens up the opportunity for them to do some adding uh, this winter as well, because they're losing Snell, they're losing Hater. You get rid of Soto and you've got some flexibility. That's right, Josh Hader. Uh, been hearing a lot of three and four year deals on him, and it just makes me cringe. Absolutely cringe. Um, Juan Soto, 
Yeah, I guess I'd probably lean that he gets dealt. I guess I wouldn't be surprised in anything, but I would lean if he gets traded. Had a good year last year, though. Certainly uh, held up his end of, uh, of the bargain. Um, all right, let's move on. Let's talk about the Twins and the Braves. The, the Minnesota Twins, we've been kind of grabbing two teams a week here and going over uh, what they might do over the offseason. Let's start with the Minnesota Twins. Uh, Joe had a really good year from a pitching standpoint. They have some uh, – some holes to fill. Sonny Gray is a free agent. We think uh, I would imagine you would agree offensively. There's some some play. I mean, they weren't bad, but there are some things they can do to get better. Uh, oddly enough, they need to make more contact, uh, need to hit for a little bit more average. They struck out a lot second most, I think, in Major League Baseball. Um, they do hit the home run. They need a healthier Byron Buxton. Uh, not sure there's a whole lot they can do about that. Uh, I wonder if they do something in center field to back them up a little bit more. But uh, generally speaking, if you're the Minnesota Twins this offseason, what are your your priorities? Well, I think if you're the Twins, you got to find pitching, right? I mean, Sonny Gray's probably going to be gone. Uh, I think a, a rather large loss for this team that nobody's talking about is Kenta Maeda is probably gone. I mean, he pitched some important innings, pitched 104 innings for this team. In fact, this year, so you're going to have to find you're going to have to find those innings. They have so much left-handed hitting, so much left-handed power. You know, they got Max Kepler probably coming back on a on a on a player option or a mutual option. I think it's a, a team option, actually. Excuse me, it's a team option. Um, it's palatable. I, it is. It's ten million. Uh, I would expect them to move a bat in favor of an arm. Like, you know, go move Max Kepler for three years of a number four type of an arm. You know, something like some, that and get some probability and get some stability. Is that kind of where you're mm-hmm. going for there? Yep. Yeah. I mean, maybe they, maybe they line up well with, um, with Baltimore. You kind of look at, you know, maybe they could move Max Kepler for Anthony Santander and, and, uh, and an arm that fills a hole for Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I how do they replace Sonny Gray? Sonny Gray? Cause, cause Sonny Gray was <laughs> really good this year and it doesn't, I mean, at this point, Tyler Malley, I mean, Tommy John surgery that came out in May, he's a free agent. That, that yeah, uh, it, they didn't get anything from him, and that was still one of the better pitching teams in Major League Baseball this year. But without Sonny Gray, that's a pretty major hit. So if you're not bringing back Gray, which they could, they could bring back Sonny Gray, but Gray's 34 years old, might prefer to go somewhere else. How do you replace that? I mean, that could be a really interesting landing spot for a guy like Jordan Montgomery to add a little bit of balance in that rotation. If the Twins are going to spend, but they don't want to spend 200 million on a guy, you know, maybe Jordan Montgomery would be uh, who's been really impressive this year. I know the Yankees want to get in on his free agency as well after trading him to the Cardinals and one of the most puzzling midseason trades of all time, if you ask me. That was the Harrison Bader deal. Like the Yankees need pitching, so they trade reliable number three starter Jordan Montgomery for a defensive center fielder. Sweet. Um, and here they are trying to go after him again in free agency. But uh, yeah, if, if, if you're the Twins – yeah, I don't know. There, there's so much unknown there with with everyone else I have. Like, is Pablo Lopez going to be that good every year? Can't really count on it. But he's uh-huh. your guy. Like, he's your number one guy right now. Um, have to try and go replace as much of what Sonny Gray gave you as humanly possible. And you mentioned Maeda, who's uh, who's been valuable to them over the last few years. I'm not sure what else you know is out there that's going to be interested in pitching in Minnesota, but uh, they've done pretty well with some guys. Really interested to see what the Twins do this offseason. Yeah, I, I, they're another one of those teams that's going to have to commit to spending some more money. And they listen, they just brought in Carlos Correa. They spent a million, billion, trillion dollars on the guy, like $32 million a year for six years or something like that. Their payroll this year was still only about $125 million, 
And if I'm looking at this correctly, they've already got $109 million committed to 2024 prior to pre-ARB. So they are already right at that $125 million for 2024. They've got $107 million locked up for 2025. So they're kind of at an inflection point, like you mentioned at the beginning of this podcast. They're going to have to decide, are we going to be a $165 million team? Are we going to be a $170 million team? Are we going to try and stretch this out and really kind of own the AL Central for the next three or four years? Or you know, do we have to take a step back? Do we have to maybe parse out some of these uh, players that are a little bit more expensive in an effort to go get controllable arms? I think the just the way that this winter is shaping up with the things that teams need and the weird payroll situations with certain teams, like the Miami Marlins have to add payroll. The Padres have to cut payroll, or so they say. Maybe the Yankees have to cut payroll. The Boston's probably going to spend more money. Seattle has to spend more money. I, I just think this is going to be a really interesting winter, especially with the new wild card system where there's an additional team where you're going to see I think we're just bound to see a sport where more big leaguer for big leaguer trades are taking place. And uh-huh. gone are not the days of three prospects for a number three starter. I, like those are still going to happen, but I think the league is just going to have to adjust to, Hey, this is your strength. This is my strength. This is where we have a glut. This is you have, where you have a glut. Let's make a deal. And I think the twins are perfectly positioned to be one of those teams. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, it, it's funny how one guy, uh, because again, they didn't get anything from Tyler Malley this year. Yeah. One guy potentially being gone in Sonny Gray immediately for us, for both of us, we're prioritizing starting pitching for the Twins. It's unbelievable how important that is uh, to to a club's stability and their success, and and for uh, for folks to have confidence in them. If you don't have starting pitching depth, no one's going to buy it. Like you, you might do it, but no one's going to buy that you're going to do it. Uh, which leads yeah. us to the Atlanta Braves, Joe. Um, they were the best team in the regular season for most of the regular season. And they bowed out uh, early, uh, losing in the LDS and really not playing well at all. They, they got dominated by the Phillies. And in a short series, anything can happen, including that, getting dominated by a team who I don't want to say Philly is uh, uh, inferior you know, in all aspects to the Braves, but the Braves a better roster overall than the Phillies. Mm-hmm. But we've talked about this before. Philly's kind of built for this, and Philly has one significant advantage over the Braves. And I imagine this is where, where you're gonna, gonna lead off with the Braves in the offseason. That advantage is at the top of their rotation. Where yes, you have Spencer Strider, but then after that, what is Max Freed? Can he match up with Zach Wheeler time in and time out or Aaron Nola time in and time out? And so far, like the answer is really no. I don't know where Max Freed is these days and in, in terms of his development and and, but I could see the Braves doing something significant at the top of the rotation as a result of what we saw late in the season and uh, and during the postseason. They kind of need someone else to pitch ahead of Max Freed and, and either right side of, beside, or right behind Spencer Strider in that rotation. And if I'm the Braves, that's the direction I'd be looking to. Yeah, well, I mean, what the, what the hell happened to the Braves? I, I, this was a team just 12 months ago where we were saying it's a factory. They just build mm-hmm. pitching from the ground up and – you know, twice a year they have a number two or a number three ready to rock and roll. Well, and the only guy that's really survived in that in that rotation has been Bryce Elder, who by most accounts was supposed to be a five, you know, maybe a low four, a pitch to contact type type of guy. Max Freed, I don't know what happened there. I mean, he was he pitched seventy seven innings this year. He took a step back towards the end there. You know, he's he's dealt with injuries. Jared Schuster hasn't been hasn't been. Um, productive by any means 
Kyle Wright just went down with an elbow injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ian Anderson is nowhere to be found. Um, Another injury in what... career so far. Yeah, Mike Soroka, same thing. Yep. Sean, Sean Newcomb, I mean, Colby Allard, the, the list is just it's really long and they've moved a lot of guys that haven't pitched well either. So, and we both realize because Braves fans are out there screaming, we scored three runs in our three losses to the Phillies. Totally get it. To- absolutely. Totally get That's it. That's overreactions Monday, but you, but you also gave up 10 runs in game three when the series was tied at one, like you need, you needed to pitch significantly better and actually make that a game and give your offense a chance. You didn't. Um, and, and I realize you know, offenses can go cold, you know, I don't think either one of us, Joe, would say, "Yeah, the Braves need to do something different offensively." There, we're, we're not sitting here. We haven't brought them. We haven't brought that up once. It's that no. starting rotation, despite the fact that they did indeed score just three runs in those three losses. You have to match up better with your starting rotation. I imagine the Braves are going to agree to some, to some extent. Do the Braves go? The Braves don't do this though. That's why the Braves are a model for a lot of clubs that don't want to spend huge in free agency. They make a trade, they sign to an extension. They did that with Sean Murphy behind the plate. They did that with uh, with Matt Olson at first base. They extend their young guys, Riley and Albies and uh, Acuna Jr. Uh, they extended those guys. They don't have significant long-term uh, free agents signing with them. They do short deals like Ozuna was three or four years. I think uh, Eddie Rosario was like a one-plus-one or a two-year deal. They don't do the big, long free agent deals so I'm curious to see how the Braves handle their rotation and, and their needs over the offseason. Could they run it back and win the World Series next year? Yes, but I can't imagine they're not going to make some effort to improve in that rotation. Do they uh, do they pick up $20 million bucks for, for – it's not Colin McHugh. What's the guy's – Charlie Morton? Morton? They're both 55 I, years old. I, I, I would say no. Up. Yeah, they're both in their upper 30s, Morton and McHugh. McHugh, the really Astros Morton villains. starter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I would say no. Um, that doesn't mean they don't bring him back in some capacity, but that to me reminds me of the Teoscar Hernandez question in Seattle. I think I can do better with $20 million. And that doesn't mean that that player can't be involved in that, but I think I can do yeah. better with $20 million. I don't want to pay that guy $20 million for one season. Be interesting. See what the Braves do. I've seen some really interesting uh, trade scenarios out there that included Max Freed, by the way, uh, that were really interesting for a younger starter and a position player that was a really interesting way to go about it. Even though the Braves' strength, you know, on paper is that lineup, strengthening of strength is still strengthened. You know, you're getting yeah. better. So I'd, I'd actually like to see him go after Paul Blackburn. I think, uh, you know, mixing up with the uh, with the Oakland Athletics again would be good. I think Blackburn would certainly a- appreciate a, a change of scenery, and I think he could be a low three, high four. And you know, that's a guy that could eat 200 innings in his sleep if you're Atlanta. Listen, they had seven guys with an OPS over 800. Like you don't need spot on pitching for 162 games. Yeah, you need depth, and and you do need you do want to be set up to go up against teams like the Phillies, though. You, yeah, you definitely. You do can want figure to that out at the trade deadline. You can figure that out as the season goes on. I mean, obviously things fell apart from this year, but you would mm-hmm. hope that some of the arms that they have coming up have a little bit more impact. You can go out and get some high, uh, kind of high risk, high reward arms on the uh, on the on the winter market, or maybe some some uh minor league free agents that are really interesting or you're you know you're the atlanta braves you can spend a lot of money too but i just think blackburn is the type of guy that especially with what's happened in that organization toward the end of the year he would fit really well Mm, yeah that's interesting um so the twins probably should be aggressive on the starting pitching market including maybe bringing back Sonny gray on some sort of a deal um and the braves yeah probably more on the trade market short-term deals um 
Yeah, interesting. I think that actually matches up with the with the next conversation here. So so let's go ahead and move on. Uh, one of the things that I have a lot of fun with is in in the off season every year is teams where we don't really know which direction they're going to go, and then we find out sometimes because there was a report. Hey, we plan on doing this, and it's like, oh, okay, I guess you know the Cubs are doing this, you know, and they, they could have gone in either direction. And I think one of those teams is the Giants. Now, last year told us, hey, they were trying to go for it. Like they were, they were in on Aaron Judge for three hundred plus million dollars. They were in on Carlos Correa for huge money, and they didn't get either player. But they're in a different position now. You know, they're changing managers. They're uh, some of their younger players are starting to push their way up to the Kyle Harrison coming up. Um, their young shortstop is close to the big leagues, close to big league ready, close to uh, getting to a point where he can stay in the big leagues and contribute. Uh, it's probably the end. It was the end of the road for Brandon Belt last year. It's probably the end of the road for Brandon Crawford in uh, in San Francisco. They have a chance to not just get younger, but kind of retool here for a year. But it could also be a year that they just go out and spend money, you know, because that's what they tried to do last year with essentially the same team, bringing in Hanniger and and uh, and keeping Crawford at shortstop and things like that. So that's one of those teams that I think is kind of in the middle. And if you're the Giants and you're going to move on and you're going to try to get younger and you're going to try to kind of retool. Alex Cobb is going to be a really interesting in that scenario would be a really interesting trade target for teams like the Braves or the twins or really just about anybody. Um, he's a really interesting guy, but the number one team at the top of that list for me, where I don't know which direction they're going to go. And I don't really know which direction they should go is the St. Louis Cardinals because you have two all-star quality players there and first baseman, Paul Goldschmidt, who has one year left on his deal. You have Nolan Arenado at third base, and you have a bunch of other interesting players like Brendan Donovan and Tommy Edmond and Lars Nupar and Nolan Gorman. It's not like they're without talent. You have Jordan Walker coming up. Do they really just go, let's try to fix the, the team in one offseason, Joe? Because those, like Goldschmidt, I mean, I guess you could try to extend Goldschmidt and it would completely change the conversation. But again, he's 36, 37 years old, showing some signs of potential decline. Is Nolan Arenado at 32, 33 years old starting to decline a little bit? And he's owed like $95 million over the next three years. Or do they try to trade those guys and, and retool, but keep the Gormans and the Walkers and the Newt Bars? I don't really know which direction makes the most sense, but I think it's really interesting that we could be looking at the Cardinals moving one or both of those players this offseason. Yeah, no, I, I they're they're another one of those teams that underperformed this year. Uh, it's a lot like the Giants. I thought you know the Giants really fizzled down the stretch. I think personally, if I'm the Cardinals, I run it back. I think you got too many players at too many uh, too many positions that have proven they can perform. Third base, Nolan Arenado, uh, Nolan Arenado, shortstop, Mason Wynn, by all accounts, should be a pretty solid player and he should take a step. Second base, Tommy Edmond and Nolan Gorman. I mean, you can figure out a way to deploy that that makes it work. Paul Goldschmidt, Tyler O'Neill, Lars Newbar, Alec Burleson. Uh, like you have the pieces. I, I think they do need to get a little bit more athletic in the outfield, specifically in center. They've got to address that. And maybe that's, you know, a good landing spot for Kevin Kiermeyer. But uh, if if I'm the Giants or if I'm the Cardinals, I take the Giants tact to this this offseason. I try and go get, you know, two, maybe even three, uh, maybe sign two starting pitchers for two or three year deals, the Alex Cobbs. You know, the De Sclafani's, the guys that get moved every single year, it seems. Maybe Ryan Yarborough is a great fit out there. Uh, I would do that, and then I would make one move. I, I would try and trade for some pitching from this glut of position players that you have control over. You know, you could probably get a decent arm for a Luke and Baker or for an Alec Burleson 
or for a Nolan Gorman if you really wanted to kind of take a little bit on take a little bit more risk on and go after mm-hmm. a better arm. But I just don't think the Cardinals are so far away from competing, especially in that division where the Cubs are probably going to take a step back. Um the to Brewers, not run it back. The Brewers appear like a team that's going to take a step back too. That was the, a 92 that's team, a team this year. And without that's Brandon a team that Woodruff, could sell. Yeah, and we talked about this last week. Like moving Corbin Burns should probably be their number one priority this winter. If you're going to be without Woodruff for a good part or all of next year, how likely is it you're going to compete at all? Um, that's really interesting. The Cardinals allowed the third most runs in the National League in 2023. That is not something anyone predicted going into the season, despite the fact that nobody really loved that pitching staff to start the year. Everything just fell apart. Um, one thing that that's funny, we'll we'll, uh, we'll talk about this as the offseason moves along, but uh, the impact that managers have on a club generally doesn't show up, generally, not always, sometimes it does, generally doesn't show up unless two scenarios. One, a manager comes in replacing a guy where it seemed on the surface the talent was significantly better than the results he performed he got and then the new guy comes in and they performed to that level or two and this is and this is uh marmal in in st louis um he takes over a club that had performed well and then the performance started to sink a little bit now you can say the talent started to sink a little bit too but offensively and and that, that those everyday guys i don't know that the talent's got worse there in st louis I, on the mound yes but it, you know, in that lineup, no, and everything has just gone south under Marmont. And I don't know, like, it's really difficult to, to uh, evaluate a manager's performance. But when those two scenarios present themselves, I start to question whether that's the guy um, uh, to lead that uh, uh, to lead that team. And, and I know this has been talked about, that there's buzz there that maybe he's not the guy, but it does sound like he's coming back um, uh, to manage that team. Uh, I have to imagine they're going to run it back, like you said, Joe. Keeping Marmol there, I imagine they're not going to tear it down. If they were going to tear it down at all, I imagine they'd start over at manager two. Although there are some scenarios, some some uh, uh, scenarios there where it would make the most sense if you're going to tear it down just to have him be the manager if you're going to lose 100 games as well. But you want a development guy in place. So it's going to be really interesting to see what the uh, the Cardinals do. You mentioned, Joe, and this is a really interesting part of the uh, uh, the free agent crop starting pitching kind of doing what the giants have done with the Alex woods and the day Sclafani's and the, uh, and the Alex Cobbs picking guys up on two and three year deals. Um, maybe getting a little more out of them than their previous clubs did. Andrew Haney is one who went to the Dodgers and pitched really well. Um, I don't know that there are a lot of those available. I think there's some projects out there, but there are some pretty good number three starters out there as well. I just think it's going to end up costing you. I mean, Blake Snell's getting at least five years, right? Aaron Nola is getting at oh, least yeah. five years. Uh, Jordan Montgomery's getting at least five years. Now, Sonny Gray's probably not going to get five years because he's 34 years old. Um, so maybe that's a guy that fits in St. Louis. You know, Sonny Gray to St. Louis on a, on a shorter deal. That would make a lot of sense. But man, that starting staff. And I remember Wainwright's retired too. They don't even have that guy to go to, you know, in the middle or toward the back for some stability. They might be more than two guys away. They might be more than they might be three hundred and eighty innings a year above average starting pitchers away from competing. Even in that division, it's gonna be really interesting to see uh, how they go about things. The St. Louis Cardinals. Is there a club in the American League, Joe? Before we uh, before we call it an episode that fits into this area where you're not sure which direction they're gonna go, even if you have a feeling in one direction or the other. Because I do, and it's it's Anaheim. 
Like if I'm Anaheim, I have a different one. Okay. If, if if I'm the Angels, and yes, I call them Anaheim. They are the Anaheim Angels. They will forever be the Anaheim Angels or the Orange County Angels or whatever you want to call them. But they are not. They are not LA. So the Angels, I have no idea what they're going to do. Uh, I really don't. I, I don't know if they're just going to go out and, and continue to do what Artie Moreno has, has forced this GM to do, or if they're going to back off a little bit, if they're going to field calls for Mike Trout. I have no idea. But I think what they should do is cut bait. I really do think it's cut bait time. It's, there's there's so little going right in that organization close enough to the big leagues where I'm just completely sold that a Mike Trout, Anthony Rendon-led roster can win in the American League West anytime in the next two years. I'm cutting bait and I'm cutting bait now. Uh, who's your team in the American League where you just they're kind of in the middle and and we're not really sure which way they're going to go? Yeah, for me it's the White Sox. Uh, I don't. I mean, it's a good one. What direction are you going to go? Because I mean, all of their all of their heavy contracts, the Yohan Moncadas, the the Liam Hendricks, the the Tim Andersons, the guys that they paid for have you know, fallen on their face. Mike Clevenger, I think the that good was a thing there though, is those aren't big long-term elite contracts that are going to hold them down for long periods of time. That is the, the, the silver that's lining kind of my, of those guys. That's kind of my point is if, if you, so right now they, they paid 151 million uh, mm-hmm. for 2023. Uh, they're on the hook for about 153 million after pre-arb. They're, they're already over their skis mm-hmm. uh, for 2024. That falls to 92. Four million in 2025 after Chicago. Well, that's my point, though. So, what if what if you were to move a few of these pieces? You know, what if you were to try and you know move Tim Anderson for just something? You know, just a lottery ticket, something. Anything to kick the 14 million off the books. Anything to kick. Well, it's a club option, so you you pick Mm -hmm. it up and then you you pick up a a double A shortstop that has some something interesting about him, or you Um, just decline it. What about Eloy Jimenez? I mean, he's yeah. got three years left on his deal. Uh, are we sure? Like, are we sure that the team is going to pick up the two-year 39, 40 million, like 37 million that's owed in 25 and 26? I don't know. And I mean, you could probably get something pretty decent for him in this I'm, free agent class. I'm sure they should because even a guy that's been hurt a little bit is worth that. But you're oh, right. Yeah. You're right. But with, Trading with that seems to make the most sense. Yeah, I mean, I just I, I look at this I look at this organization and I don't know what direction they're going in. And I look at their farm system and outside of Colson Montgomery, who's going to be really good and he's going to be up this year. I don't know if they have the pieces necessary to take a step in 2024. Yeah, well, Chris gets the new uh, uh, voice there. I'll, I'll say that because he's essentially replaced Joe, both Ken Williams and Rick Hahn. So he's he's basically both guys at this point. So he doesn't have anybody between, you know, himself and ownership to answer to. So it's Chris Getz. And to be honest with you, I don't have a feel for that. I don't have a feel for that's going to, how that's going to go. Because if this were Arizona, I'd feel one way. If this were the Dodgers, I'd feel one way, but this is that team that's in the middle. There's the white Sox are so in the middle and they shouldn't be. It's really embarrassing. Um, I, I would, I think they can, if they do it right, I think they can spend their way back into contention really quickly because it's not really all that unlike the, uh, the national league central, the American league central, isn't like the twins. And then everybody else, the twins are catchable. Uh, you know, the, like the, the Cleveland guardians competed with the twins most of the season, despite the fact that they don't spend money on, on players. Um, and the Cleveland Indians are probably another team where 
we know they're not going to spend money, but what do they do? And we could talk about the the Guardians uh, later in the offseason, but the White Sox right there, smack in the middle, have no idea what they're going to do, but they do have some problems. Uh, they do have some problems. Uh, yeah. Lucas Giolito, they traded at the deadline. Ronaldo Lopez, they traded at the deadline. Um, who's the slugger they sent to Chicago? John a blank, first base, outfield, Burger. type. Burger, thank you. Oh, they Burger. sent him to Miami, but yeah, yeah. Sent him to Miami, yes, thank you. Um, so they're, they're a team that, unloaded a little bit uh, with Jose Abreu going to Houston before the season. It's where they, they don't have that log jam anymore, but it seems like, do they have answers really anywhere except Jimenez in the outfield and a healthy Moncada at third base? It doesn't seem like they do. Like I wouldn't even say Moncada is an answer at third base. He's been absolutely terrible the last two years and he's been hurt and Jimenez keeps getting hurt. I mean, like, yeah, what do you do there? This is my point. Like other than rebuild. This is my point. Like in a free, in a poor free agent class, where there's certainly going to be um, overage spending to pull people into different markets. Why not try and move a couple of these these guys that won't be on your roster in 2025 and just say, "Hey, this organization, this roster is not built to compete right now." Now they've spent 165, 170 million in the past. Like spending is not totally unfamiliar to them. Right. But I just don't see. I mean, maybe you can go out and get a starting pitcher, but they're in trouble, man. Like Dylan Cease and Michael Kopech are both slated to come off their books in 2025. And the way that their tenures have gone in Chicago, I'm not sure either one of them is in a huge hurry to sign an extension. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe they can be one of these teams that signs a couple of guys to three-year deals for 55 mil. Yeah. Um, and that's been their MO in the past, but that's different. They're in a weird spot. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're in a really spot. weird spot. If the White Sox end up doing a uh, kind of tearing it down, going for a full rebuild, which should be more along the lines of what we just saw from Seattle, where maybe you're bad for a year or two, but there's really no excuse to be terrible for five years anymore. There's no excuse for that at all. But if the White Sox do something like that, the two big names we're going to hear about, you mentioned Dylan Cease, their ace, and center fielder Luis Robert, who's coming off a pretty huge season uh, put up a five-win season in 145 games. Uh, if they're on the trade block this summer, that's going to spice things up quite a bit on the hot stove. Come, uh, I would imagine December in those winter meetings, Joe. Yeah, especially Luis Robert in a in a suffocated free agent market for bats. I would imagine teams are going to pay a premium for a center fielder who can hit 45 homers. Yeah, there is no the the, the strength of the after starting pitching the strength of the, the of the free agent market is corner outfield bats but there's no athleticism out there there there's and they're, and they're left handed no shortstop center field second base so if you if you want to go out and, and make a trade for one if robert's on the market yeah he's going to there's going to be a huge market for him if he's out there yeah i would i would consider it i i just think the way that that organization is set up with contracts and and arb and everything like that i i just you know they're going to have to spend and really thread the needle here for the next three or four years. Or, you know, you could move some of these players now and, and prime yourself up for 2026. That's probably what I would do. Oh, to be a fly on the wall. But I'm a shill. Chris Getz took that job. Uh, that's that's <laughs> but the I'm a thing. bootlicker and a shill. That's, that's the thing. It's like, we don't know what ownership told Chris Getz. We don't know what Chris Getz told ownership. So that's why we're sitting here kind of guessing and guessing out loud. Uh, good stuff there. Um, Hey, let's uh, we'll do another couple of teams next week and go over their off seasons. Um, I think the Brewers would be a good one because we talked about them quite a bit. Uh, so let's throw the Brewers in there and let's uh, 
and let's uh, let's go ahead and throw the Angels in there and go in more more in depth in, in uh, what we think the Angels will or should do, uh, and we'll do that next week. Along with uh, we'll talk World Series next week. These LCSs are going to be over. Uh, they're highly competitive at this particular point. Um, uh, as we record this, the uh, uh, game four in the National League uh, is being played, and uh, we just completed. Uh, game five in uh, in Arlington uh, with Rangers and Astros. They've been uh, pretty entertaining, I'd say, and uh, we'll know the World Series matchups when we talk uh, next. So, uh, Joe, uh, parting shots this week on the FSS Plus podcast. Parting shots. Parting shots. Parting shot. Anything you wanted you know, to say? Anything on your mind? <laughs> you know, like whenever, so, uh, because we're whenever. not a video podcast yet, you can't see that Joe's <laughs> name here as we record. As he wrote, is waste management free advertising, which is pretty funny. Um, mine says I'm new because somebody called me new on Twitter today, which was hilarious. Um, and Casey says Rangers Suarez to the Rangers, which is just <laughs> random and awesome. At uh, at the same time, parting shot, Joe. Like, did you, have you ever wanted to say something to me who just didn't like, and you want to say it now? Yeah. How did you? <laughs> how, how did you get to? How did you get to pay in rent in, in Fedway in the big green monster? How did you get a, an apartment in there? How did I get an apartment here? Oh, yeah. You're, if, if you guys can't see it right now, but. Jason's background is my background. My background is that monster. area behind the the hand operated scoreboard at Fenway, the Green Monster. Yeah, so they they don't don't tell anyone. They don't know I'm here. I just snuck in, man. I just snuck in. I use a VPN. Nobody knows I'm here. I just plug in. Got a little light. It's pretty. I great. don't really have honestly, Matt. I don't really have a parting shot this week. Like I'm trying to think of something that really irked me this week. But <laughs> that's really, really what these parting shots should be. Should be. What what yeah, I'm just do this week? Yeah, yeah just watching the that. Rangers, watching the Astros duke it out, literally and figuratively on on the on the television, just bums me out as an AL West regional guy. So, um, go Phillies, go Paul Seawald. Can't both win, but <laughs> I just I, I just want good ba- uh, good playoff baseball. I think we're seeing that. I think we're seeing that. I think yeah, so my, now. Yeah. My my parting shot is uh, Casey Bellin needs a better background. Cause he doesn't have one right now. And, and we need to get super producer of the show, Casey Bellin to actually get a background. Cause at some point we're going to go video on this and people are going to see back there and you want them to see something cool. Like Joe's got his thing. I don't know what that is. I can't really tell, but it's pretty cool. Whatever it is. I got the Fenway thing and I'll change mine every week. Casey, you got nothing, man. You got nothing. What, what do you have to say for yourself? Jokes on you. Casey's actually in uh, solitary. So that's, <laughs> that's why it looks the way it does. Uh, but Casey, man, I'm telling you though, Casey did call the Cubs. He was like, about I don't know what was it about two weeks left in the season, three weeks left in the season, and Casey slacked and he was like, the Cubs are done, man. Have you seen how they're playing and what they have come? They're done, and they did. They faded. They lost like three, four games in the standings, and and uh, and they were done. So, all right, all right, we'll talk next week. This has been the FSS Plus podcast. So just chill to the next episode.